Performer Talks. I'm your host, Bethany Unwin, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by the lovely Brittany Chalk. Brittany is a professional dancer and choreographer from the US. Hi Brittany, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Hi Bethany, thank you so much for having me. Um, so Brittany, please can you tell the listeners at home a little bit about who you are and what you've done throughout your career? Yeah, of course. Um, so, like you said, my name is Brittany Chalk. Um, I'm originally from Florida, but I now live in the UK. Um, I moved to New York when I was 18 years old. I'm now 28, so oof, long time. Um, I have a degree in graphic design from Full Sail University, um, and I've been dancing since I was about three years old. Um, so yeah, like I mentioned, I moved to New York in pursuit of a professional dance career, and I was part of the 2010 summer intern program at the Broadway Dance Center, um, which was fantastic learning experience, steep learning curve, but um, I felt like I was very quickly adopted into the New York dance scene. Um, after that ended, I continued to take classes there, and I even worked there for a while, which was great. Um, and I basically was doing what every other dancer was doing, um, you know, going to all the auditions and workshops and master classes that I possibly could, uh, building my network and trying to perform wherever I could. Um, it's just really the epicenter of opportunity. Um, so yeah, for the first three years I was in New York, I did like smaller gigs like flash mobs and I was an extra on a TV show which was super fun. Um, I did a few music videos and then I finally got what I considered to be my first professional dance job um, which was at a theme park in Bush, um, Bush Gardens actually in Williamsburg, Virginia. So I was there for about a year. It was like a 10 month contract um, and was in four different shows during that contract, um, two for summer, one for Halloween and one for Christmas. So it kind of goes with the seasons. Um, and it was just, I mean, it was an amazing first job. Um, the people were great. The shows were so much fun. Um, I was actually able to continue getting my university degree since I did it remotely. I did it all online. Um, and probably my favorite thing about it was that when I finished all my shows for the day, I could just go out into the park and enjoy it. And my castmates and I would like ride roller coasters on repeat. It was so much fun. Um, after I finished that contract, uh, I went back to New York and I ended up booking Carnival Cruise Line after a few months of being there. Um, and I danced on the Carnival Sensation, which went back and forth from uh, Florida to the Bahamas, back and forth, <laughs> uh, three-day runs. And yeah, it was, it was a pretty huge milestone for me in my career, um, as like a lot of my friends have performed on ships. And so from everything that I had heard, I really wanted ships to be a part of my career. So the day I got that call was absolutely amazing. Um, the contract actually only ended up being about five months long. Um, which is shorter than most cruise contracts. 
Um, and I did two shows on that ship. One was like a AB's review show, so much fun. And one was like a showgirl show. Um, and they're probably my favorite shows I've ever performed. <laughs> um, they were just like so wonderfully intense and they never got easier to dance. I was sweating and panting every time. Like I was, it was difficult to get through them, which I appreciated as a dancer, really. Um, once I got off that ship though, I again went back to New York and auditioned for RWS Entertainment Group or as it was known then, RWS and Associates. Um, and literally within two weeks of that audition, they offered me a summer contract at Hershey Park theme park, as well as a nine month contract on board Holland America line. So it was like a, almost a whole year of work with them. Um, I ended up turning down the Hershey Park thing because I was also offered um, Judy in a chorus line at a regional theater kind of near my hometown. So I really wanted to get into the musical theater side of things. So I thought this was like my opportunity to do that. Um, and it, it really just allowed me to like stretch my talents a bit farther. Um, I mean, of course, there's like a lot of dancing in a chorus line, but I also had to memorize a script and learn all these vocal parts. And, you know, my cast, I have to give a shout out to my cast. They were so incredibly supportive and helping me through those things. And it was, they made it such a really, really great experience for me. Um, and then finally, I then <laughs> went on to the New Amsterdam with Holland America line. Um, we had rehearsals in New York since that's where RWS is based. And then they flew us all to Barcelona. I think we flew on Halloween actually. Um, and we boarded the ship there. And on that contract, I met my now husband who's British and is why I live in the UK. Um, so other than that being an amazing part of the contract, um, it was actually my first experience with aerial work. And I did the Lyra apparatus, like a big giant hoop, um, metal hoop. It actually really hurts. <laughs> it bruises all up and down my legs when I was training. But um, yeah, it was, again, one of those shows that I was just getting to further grow my skill set, which I loved. And on board um, during that contract, we also hosted the Dancing with the Stars at Sea finale, which is the Strictly Come Dancing equivalent in the UK. Um, so yeah, dancers from the show actually came on board. It was like a massive event. Um, and the cast got to perform with the touring company and as well as the passenger contestants. So just a super memorable moment on that contract for me. Um, and then once I got off that contract, I went back to the show palace and was actually in their production of Beauty and the Beast. Um, I was an ensemble member, so I was the enchantress, I was a whisk, I was a broom, I was a napkin, I was a wolf, and it was just costume change after costume change, uh, but so much fun. And then yeah, I kind of felt like I had a little bit of a dip in my career. Um, I was, you know, traveling back and forth to the UK to see my boyfriend at the time. And um, then I got a, mess, a Facebook message randomly saying, hey, 
um, we need a replacement dancer for a ship, which I had already done those shows on the New Amsterdam, and I had gone back to a different Holland America ship, the Eurodam, um, who unfortunately, I, I replaced a dancer who got injured, um, but did the same shows that I knew from the New Amsterdam, and this time I got to do the Silks routine instead of Lyra, so again, just like something else that was brand new to me, um, it's super exciting. And then, yeah, career-wise, I went back to New York for a short little gig with Disney. Um, I was part of the Saks Avenue's like annual Christmas window unveiling, um, and we actually got to dance in the streets of New York. Um, it's a really funny story because call time was like some god awful hour, like three a.m. or something. Um, to ensure we could have like a run through in the streets before too many cars were up and awake and everyone was out. Um, and the production team, I remember had timed the street lights. So we knew exactly, you know, we had a minute and 30 seconds to rehearse and then someone would shout out over the loudspeaker, okay, get to the curb. <laughs> We'd like run to the curb while the, all the cars went through. Um, and we just kept doing that until we finished the rehearsal. It was a crazy morning, really, um, and such a fun, such a fun gig. Um, and then I went back to Florida for a while after reaching out to my previous director at a show palace. Um, and I was basically asking her for career transition advice because at that point I was like, I don't really know if I want to continue performing or if I want to do something else. Um, and she said she was actually looking for a choreographer and assistant director for an upcoming production. Um, and so I jumped at that opportunity. I was so excited. Um, and the production was for Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Um, and yeah, I just, I really fell in love with that whole experience. Just something about being in a dark theater, creating something that people are going to enjoy is, is so much fun. Um, I guess also while I was in Florida, I was in a show called Sizzle Las Vegas, which toured to different venues in Florida. Um, I eventually became the choreographer of that show because the producer just wanted to kind of update it a little bit. Um, and after learning, I choreographed. <laughs> she was like, great, we can have a dancer and a choreographer. Uh, so that worked out well. And after doing that show for a while, I got engaged. I started planning two weddings, you know, one in the UK, one in Florida for both sides of the family. Really, I had to get my visa application. So my career kind of got put on hold a little bit for some, you know, amazing reasons. Um, but when I finally got my legal residency in the UK, I started teaching at DM Studios in Southampton. And yeah, I found a really great group of people that I'm so happy to work beside. And now I run my own dance platform called A Dancer's Guide, in which, you know, I aim to support and empower other dancers through every stage of their unique dance journey. And I also have a podcast series, <laughs> just like you. And um, I try to, you know, be a source of inspiration and hopefully, fingers crossed, get some products out in the future. Um, so, yeah, I think... That about wraps it up. It's a long-winded response. But <laughs> amazing. That's amazing. Me. 
you've done so much and you've got an extensive list and it's such a refreshing thing to be able to say that you can go in all areas of the industry there's not just one area where you've specifically gone into you've done a bit of everything and everywhere and that is just amazing yeah yeah it's it's been super fun to be able to dabble into every little nook of this industry and and not feel like I had to be held back that I had the confidence to just try. I had nothing to lose and everything to gain. So why not go for it? Absolutely. The versatility that you put out there for yourself, it just opens up so many doors. So as much as you can, if you can get extra strings to your bow, it just shows how wide the industry can be for you. And there really is no limitations. No, no, you're right. Um, So as you say, you have predominantly worked in the US. Um, So how does being a performer in the US differ from being a performer in the UK? Is there any striking differences between the two? Yeah, so I might need your help on this a little bit because I actually don't have too much experience being a professional dancer in the UK. Um, You know, I kind of moved here after I began my transition away from performing. So I was just in a different stage of my life compared to what I was doing in the States. So I'll, I'll try to, you know, rustle up some things. Um, but for the most part, I think, you know, I feel like London has its own range of opportunities similar to New York um, or any other major U.S. dance hub. And you know, there are shows that you can audition for that involve a huge variety of dance styles. There's gig work, there's cruise line auditions here. Of course, you've got West End, which is obviously comparable to Broadway. Um, And something I think is really amazing about UK performers, um, maybe correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like a lot of jobs are based in like other European countries, whereas as you as performers, you can kind of find so much work without ever leaving the States. (laughs) You know, of course, there's like opportunities in the States that people can travel overseas. But I don't know, it's so cool that, you know, you have Europe on your doorstep. And I don't think that's something that should be taken for granted. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, As for differences, though, I'd say, again, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, that London seems to be the major dance hub, the one big city of of dance here. Um, And versus the US where they kind of have a lot um, and and they each have their own dance style and purpose, I think. Um, and, And not to say that there's not opportunities in each dance style within the major dance cities, but primarily if you want to do musical theater, you go to New York. If you want to do commercial work and more street style, you go to LA. Orlando is obviously theme park, Mecca. Um, Chicago, you'll find more modern and company-like work. So in that respect, it's different. Um, But equally, I think it's amazing that London actually houses all of those styles in one city. So it makes it super exciting just to be, have that huge amount of opportunity in, in one place, which is, is, is great. Um, again, I don't know if it's the same here, but in New York, in my experience, there are so many auditions each and every day. 
Like, I mean, I have been to five auditions in one day in New York, which then, you know, multiplies your chances of booking more mm-hmm. work. Um, I guess the downfall of that, though, is the amount of people that show up, especially, obviously, in my case, to New York auditions. Um, it can get out of hand very quickly. <laughs> um, the numbers can be in the hundreds, and it's usually when they do some sort of, like, type out because there's just way too many people. Um, but something I'm, I'm maybe going to ask you a little bit of a question here, if that's okay. Um, something I'm, I'm curious about in the UK are agents. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe you can shed a bit of light on this, but I once went to an audition in London and I was, you know, trying to feel out the girls and get some info because I had never auditioned before there and maybe I completely misunderstood her, but this girl seemed to imply that you could just pay to be with an agency? Is that true? Um, well, there are some agents that take upfront fees, but they shouldn't. Um, right. Obviously, they work on commissions so that they are motivated to get you the work. Um, because if you pay them upfront, their job's done. They don't have to get you any work. Right. They've got their money. So um, they do tend to work on a commission base, but there are one or two agents that will charge you to be notified of auditions. And there's also things called casting directories that we have where you mm-hmm. pay to like have your CV and network with those people and apply for auditions. And they kind of get you a little bit inside. Um, but as far as agents go, they shouldn't be charging up from fees. So it's about finding the ones that, you know, are going to get you that work and are going to be motivated to get you the work with commission I rates. See. I, hope I see. Okay. Yeah. It was, I don't know what, who, what she was talking about, but yeah, obviously like with agencies I've experienced in the States, you know, they hold auditions or they scout classes before offering dancers representation yeah Um, they should do that over here as well and you can send tapes to them and they will watch um always send it in a youtube link though rather than as an actual link because they won't download it or watch it in case it's a virus or anything but yeah they will if you send an email with your cover letter your cv your um links and everything you can send that to them and then they will watch it and consider you for representation and then probably want to meet you first they'll probably want to have an interview i would be worried if they didn't um yes so you can interview them as well and check they're right for you but yeah um they shouldn't charge upfront fees yeah, I think that's a great point of that they're right for you as well. It's got to be a relationship. Absolutely. You neither work for each other. You are in this kind of business partnership. So if you're going to get an agent, you need to make sure that they are the right agent for you and not you're just right for them. Yeah, exactly. Um. So when you trained in New York, um, you actually trained at your mother's studio, didn't you? Um, I did. And I think this will be super helpful because I know that quite a few followers will be in the same situation as yourself and maybe working um, with family members or training with family members, either as them as the teacher or alongside family members. So what advice would you give to people that are maybe training or working alongside family? Yeah, so my mom's studio um, was actually back in Florida. Um, so I grew up there. I, I think she opened it when I was eight um, and I trained till I was 18 and then I moved to New York. Um, but 
yeah, I would, I guess I would go back and forth whenever I was home and, and teach and things like that. And you're right. I have heard of a lot of dancers whose parents or, you know, family members have owned a dance studio. So I'm always so proud to say that I'm a, you know, a dance studio kid. Um, and you know, she, like, she actually decided to open the studio for me because she felt like I wasn't getting the training I should be anywhere else. Um, and so she took matters into her own hands, really. Um, and in the process, she created such a wonderful space, not just for me, but for so many other young dancers. Um, and it, it's such a, a it's such a special place for me. Um, unfortunately, it's no longer, um, but I'll definitely it will always be part of my story. Um, and I, yeah, I guess so, some advice I would have for anyone who's training with family members is to just embrace it. Um, I've always had such a close relationship with my mom, but sharing the studio brought us even closer. Um, I helped her pick out costumes and I taught younger kids and I could talk to her about pieces I wanted to choreograph and we just kind of spoke the same language. Um, and actually my sister danced there as well. So I just loved having this special bond with them, other than them being my family. <laughs> but yeah, also I just say maybe be prepared for your family members to be the harshest on you. Um, my mom would always call me out in ballet class for not pointing my toes or slacking off. and um, But you just have to remember that they do it to those they see the most potential in. And, you know, I guess, of course, you're a little bit biased towards your own family. Um, but take it as a compliment, honestly, instead of letting it tear you down, just keep working hard. And, you know, at the end of the day, they just want you to be the best you can possibly be. Absolutely. That's great advice. Thank you. Because I know that many performers will perhaps be training with parents or siblings. And um, it can obviously come with major positives. But also, there is that confliction there. And you do get worried that, you know, maybe there's competition or there's bias or, you know, what does everyone think? So the fact that you've just reassured people that, you know, to embrace it and to enjoy that experience, and it can actually bring you closer together is a really, really nice thing. Yeah, don't let it tear you apart because, I mean, I think dance should be celebrated and why not celebrate that with the people you love most? Absolutely. So you have spent time on tour as well as being in one place. So does your life as a performer change from when you're stationed in one place and you're going to the same place every day and you're in one place accommodation-wise to when you're touring and moving around? Yes, it does. <laughs> um, so when you're in one place, I'll, I'll take the example of when I lived in uh, Virginia at Bush Gardens, I had my own apartment, I was able to, you know, decorate my own room and, you know, uh, my roommates, I didn't have a car at the time. So my roommates were kind of driving me back and forth. But, you know, you can go to the grocery store when you whenever you need to, or you can go out to restaurants or, you know, everyday normal life things um, when you're stationary somewhere um, and then you're just going to and from work. Um, however, I guess when you're touring, yeah, it's a, it's a definitely different. So the touring show I was on, uh, Sizzle Las Vegas, 
it was called a tour, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's a tour in a traditional sense because we all we all basically lived in our own homes in Florida, um, but we then would travel to whatever location we had a show in. Um, you know, some weekends we didn't have a show. And, you know, sometimes it was really scattered. Um, some of the other dancers actually had full-time jobs, but they were able to continue rehearsing and performing um, because we did it, you know, usually at night or on the weekends. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it's probably not the traditional sense of a tour, whereas you would be going from city to city on a continuous, like, rolling basis. Um, but I'd say that being on a ship is probably the closest thing to that traditional touring experience I've had, um, in which, and I think this is true for people who have been on tour as well, is you live out of a suitcase, um, which I'm sure many dancers can relate to. I could fit my life into two suitcases and a carry-on, and that was it. And I moved from place to place wherever a contract took me. Um, which can get really tiresome after a while. Um, you know, I started to really want to put down roots and unpack those suitcases, which again, I think a lot of people, not just performers, will get to that crossroads some point in their life or career. Um, again, with going away or going on tour or really most contracts, it's, it's likely it's gonna take you away from your family and friends. Um, this career path, unfortunately, does take you away from your loved ones for periods of time. Um, but luckily, obviously, we have technology that allows us to FaceTime and, and connect. So it's always trying to trying to keep those people with you during your contract because they do. I, I find that they do help you through it, like especially if you're having a rough time on a contract. Um, they can really just be that support. Um, that voice that kind of pushes you through it. Um, you know, I think in general, performers just have to be so adaptable. You know, it may be daunting for most people to just pick up and move somewhere completely foreign, but it's part of a performer's lifestyle, really. Um, I've always enjoyed getting to see new places and learning about new cultures. So I always took it as a positive. Um, and then I always knew where my roots were. I knew I always knew that I could go home. I think, which is why I then started to appreciate home a bit more because I was away for so long. Yeah, definitely. That's great advice as well. You know, when you're going on tour or you're leaving, it feels like a bit of a shock to the system. But actually, yeah. if you look at the days you're counting down to, you see them rather than how long it's been, and um, you take little home type things with you that remind you of home and um, keep in touch. That's a massive, massive thing. Yes, definitely. I, I remember whenever I went on a, a cruise contract, I would make sure I printed out like the latest photos of all of my family and all of my friends. And because all the walls on a ship are um, metal, so they're magnetic. So you take magnets and <laughs> I'd have like my whole bunk bed was full with pictures of my family and friends. And it just, like I said, it gives you that boost of energy. And um, almost because I had those pictures, it was like, oh, I have to message her. I've got to like, it was like a reminder for me to mm -hmm. keep in touch. So that's amazing. Yeah. So who in the industry has had the biggest impact on your career? 
Oof. Um, there's a few people that come to mind. So I'll start out by saying my mom is one of the most influential people in my whole life. Um, she's always been such a driving force in my career and has been with me every step of the way. Um, Franklin Warfield, the casting director for RWS Entertainment Group. I mean, the amount of opportunities that he and RWS have offered me in my career, just incredible. Um, and it means so much to me that he saw my true potential and entrusted me with performing RWS's shows. I think RWS in general just holds a very special place in my heart. Um, and then I'd say also Jill Godfrey, who was my director from the show Palace. Um, ultimately, she believed in me. You know, she pushed me to be my best. She pushed away, or she helped me push away my fears that I had about singing. Um, and she was the one that gave me the chance to be on the creative side of the table. So, yeah, they're all people that recognized my talents and I felt like they genuinely wanted to help me throughout my career. That's lovely. That's amazing. Um, so I wanted to ask you, because you've got such an amazing experience in the US, if a performer got a contract where they would be in the US, what are the first things they should think about or need to do before going over there? Yeah. Um, but one thing I would say before even accepting the contract, um, you know, if you get the call, you're offered a contract, just take a moment to think about it. Um, I know it can be super exciting to get the call, you book the job, especially when you're first starting out. You just want to take anything that comes your way. Um, but take a second, say thank you very much, I'll get back to you, and just make sure that this contract is in line with your overall career goals. Um, something I think people underestimate is listening to your gut. Um, if something isn't sitting right or feels off, maybe taking the contract isn't the best thing to do, at that point at least. Um, and then also making sure you're not sacrificing your values or your self-worth for the contract. But, you know, think about those. And if you've then decided, yep, I'm going to accept the contract, there are some practical things to think about. Um, things like, things that people probably don't think about, like who's gonna pick up your mail while you're gone. Um, or, you know, you need, especially in New York, you'll need to find a sublet for your apartment because I'm sure you're not gonna wanna pay New York rent while you're on a contract. Um, and just, yeah, making sure that kind of everything logistically is squared away. So it's not something that you have to worry about during your contract and you can just enjoy the show and the production that you're on. Um, and then I guess some other things would be, you know, you've got to think about what you need to pack. Um, is like for a ship, you've got to have, you would think that you would just be like in these tropical locations and you would need shorts and a swimsuit and that's it. But the ships are actually freezing. Um, so like sweatpants, jackets, I brought a blanket, you know, things from home, like we said, talked about earlier. Um, yeah, find people that maybe have 
done that sort of contract before and ask them what they've packed. Um, because especially the first few contracts, I was like, oh my gosh, what do I, what do I need? I guess I need rehearsal clothes. Um, I need all of my makeup. I, you know, was just kind of throwing things in a bag, hoping it would work out. Um, and I think as you go along your career, you will figure out what you specifically need in your bag with you all the time. Um, try to spend some quality time with your family and friends when you get a contract, just because you'll probably be away from them for a while. Um, don't get compliant. And this is for at all times during a contract, you're replaceable. And if you slack off or don't deliver, you know, your best, you very well may be asked to leave. And it's just because you signed a contract doesn't mean they can't fire you. Uh, you're still an employee. So I think trying to prepare yourself mentally for the journey ahead is always something good to do. Um, and then I guess this sounds a little silly, but celebrate. You've accomplished something that you've probably been working on for the majority of your life to achieve. So just soak it in and bask in that wonderful feeling. It's amazing. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Definitely. If you've got a contract, you need to have the celebration part. Oh, you know? yeah, because eventually the contract will end and eventually you'll have to be back in the hustle of auditions, feeling like the world is against you until you book that next thing. And it's each time you just really have to celebrate your accomplishments. Absolutely. And that's the thing in life. Just celebrate people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what advice would you give to aspiring performers? I love this question. Um, find things you love to do outside of your pursuit of dance. You know, it's so easy to become completely consumed by the industry and it can tear you down really quickly. Um, so making sure you're taking care of your mental well-being is probably my biggest piece of advice. And I love this quote, uh, rejection is simply redirection. And you'll hear 100 no's, but all you need is that one yes. And I can promise you that there is a role for you out there. Um, if you just keep working on your craft, going to auditions, and never, ever, ever, ever give up on your dreams, things may not happen the way you want or think they should. But again, just trying to embrace the great things that do come your way because you'll save yourself a lot of disappointment and every job you book and every rejection you face will all become part of your unique journey, which is really special. Absolutely. And I am exactly the same as you, but I use that quote all the time. Rejection is redirection. When one door closes, another one does open. And I always say you might have to give it a bit of a shove or you might have to look a little bit harder, but it is there. So yeah, absolutely. Rejection is redirection. So Brittany, for all our listeners, if there's anyone that, you know, gets a US contract, um, I would love to send them to you. So do you want to tell people um, where they can find you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Facebook, just look up Brittany Chalk. 
it's usually a picture of me and my husband getting married. Um, <laughs> I, it's, I think it's the same picture on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is BrittanyChalk7. Um, all one word, no underscores or periods or anything like that. Um, and then equally, like I said, I'm the founder of A Dancer's Guide. So check out on Instagram, A Dancer's Guide Official. And we're also on Facebook. Just type in A Dancer's Guide. Um, and then if you would like to email me, um, my personal email is brittanychalk7 at gmail.com. And for A Dancer's Guide, it's a dancer's guide double zero at gmail.com. Um, so yeah, connect with me. I'd love to speak to you about anything related to the U.S. or anything dance in general. Um, I love connecting with other performers. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your Saturday to come and join us today. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem. It's, um, it's been wonderful speaking with you. Thank you. And you. It's been lovely. Thank you, everyone, to listening. A massive, massive thank you. Please don't forget to share this and we'll give you a shout out on our social media. Um, And if you leave us a review on iTunes, we'd be really grateful because that is helping us reach new performers and getting lots of free information and industry insight out to them. So a massive thank you. You've been listening to Performer Talks and I've been your host, Bethany Unwin.